Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that doesn't have a casino license in New South Wales. I'm Scott Phillips. He is Andrew Page, of course, of strawman.com. How are you, Andrew? Very good, sir. Very good, sir. Or Ram, um, as look- I prefer to call you. Yeah, that's right. Andrew Ram Page. Rampage, I love it. Love I'm just it. excited our listeners are enjoying it. Almost every, well, probably two out of three questions we get is addressed to me and to Scott and Ram, which I, I very much appreciate. <laughs> Tickles my fancy. How are you, mate? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, look, as we were just talking about off air, it's just it's a bit of a meh week at the it moment. It's a real you know? meh week. It's just not a lot happening. And that's that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all, in fact. Unless you've got um, to do a podcast every week talking about the news of the week. It <laughs> <laughs> makes it a bit trickier. We're the it ones, we're the ones in some trouble. Just quietly yeah. there, mate, uh, you said before, oh, well, it's okay if the podcast is a bit shorter than normal. I said, no, it's not going to be shorter than normal. You and I can talk, and we will try and make it relevant. There's been a few <laughs> things in the news, mate. Not a lot of... We're, 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 uh, I was going to say we were... Um, uh, worried about the lack of company news. It's not really a worry or not a worry, really, just just noting the fact that there's been almost nothing going on in company land. There's a couple things we'll talk about. Um, is it the calm before the storm, I suppose, is my question to you? Because we, one week out, we're literally recording this, seven full days uh, from the end of the financial year. This, yeah, uh, confession season, that, you know, so so let's, let's wind it back. Earnings season is, a, is the horrible cliched name we give to when companies put their um, profit announcements out there, annual reports or half-year reports, uh, and they have to come out within two months of the end of the financial year. So they'll be out probably in August because they don't, you know, it's hard to pull together. It takes a while. So it won't be in July, it'll be August. So August is air quotes earnings season. I'll say officially earnings season with a smile because there's nothing official about it. So there's nothing official about a bear market, but we call them official anyway. So that's earnings yep. season. Before that, companies who've said, oh, everything's going to be fine. And then kind of go, oh, I've only got a week to go. Oh, oh no. Oh, this is going to be bad. Then that we have before earnings season, confession season. Mm. Uh, is, this, is this the calm before the confession season storm, mate? Well, there's, there's got to be uh, there's got to be some revisions. Like it might not all be bad, but I mean, you've made the point really well before that, you know, companies forget that they don't have to actually give us guidance, right? Oh, they man, don't, don't have to. That, Raph. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people listen and they go, what do you mean? Of course they do. You know, they need to keep <laughs> the market informed. It's like, well, they do need to keep the market informed. Mm. Um, and anything that they can reasonably um, inform us on, yep. they sh- they yep. should. Yep. But but what what this is a bit hard to get your head around because mm. you think that the people on the inside know it all. Mm-hmm. But but anyone again who's run a run a business <laughs> and you ask the local cafe owner, yeah. you know, what what are you, what are you gonna like? So on on July one, what are you gonna what are you gonna be reporting on mm. June thirty mm. next mm. year? Mm. They'll give you their best guess, but it's probably gonna be wrong. Not mm. not because they're liars, not because they're idiots. Just because it's really hard to predict the future. <laughs> Even if you are on the inside, you're calling the shots, you mate, it's really, really hard. But there's huge pressure from from analysts and the market to do so. Mm. And it's just become this thing where people feel as though they have to. Mm. And so they do, they put it out there. And then, you know, things either go a bit better than you expect or a bit worse. So then you have to inform the market again and say, Well, I know we said this, but but now we now we think that. And there is all kinds of recriminations. You know, look at Twitter. It's like, oh, you said this. What a con man. You know, <laughs> absolute fraud. They're hugs. You know, yeah. it's like, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Not everything's a conspiracy, right? Like sometimes it, it, the, the mistake, if there's a mistake, is is trying to put something out there as, as certain. Now, mm. there are some businesses that have very, very reliable earnings. And you mm. can probably more, you, you can probably be more realistic and do it. Other businesses, mm. just by nature, hyper-cyclical and just very, very difficult to forecast. So 
there are some businesses out there that just go, no, we don't do that. It's policy. We just yeah. we just yeah. don't yeah. do it. We'll tell you everything about how the business is going, what our strategic plans are, our positioning, all of this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not going to give you any guidance. And by the way, note, note to any analysts that are listening here, that's your job, right? Mm. Like the company's not there to do your job. If you mm. feel as though that's really important for what you need to do, then, yep. then do it. Yep. It's, yep. Not, it's not the company's job to do yours. So anyway. I... And, <laughs> I, I get up. I get upset about a lot of things. No, no, no. I exercise about a lot of things. I don't get upset. I'm actually a pretty happy bloke. Um, giving guidance is the world's most stupid thing, uh, un- unless you have literally 95 percent of your revenue contracted for the next year. In which case, sure, share that information. Uh, Brad Banducci, the CEO of Woolworths, has no idea how much people are going to spend in Big W on the 52nd week of the next financial year. No. And yet he feels compelled, and it's not about Brad. Brad's a very decent guy, good guy, good executive. Feels compelled to tell the market what, what to expect from Woolworths next year. Hmm. And so you say, well, hang on, if you can't know, <laughs> then A, what are you doing? And B, how do you make a number? So it's, it's, it's all best guesses. And even even we say, well, they should be able to tell, like, really? I mean, I'm, even if even if the strategy is going to change meaningfully, and they know that, and so they have, hmm. how, how do you know how the, whether the strategy is going to work? And if you don't know if it's going to work, or you're not going to change strategy, then it's a, your guess same as everybody else's guess because it is what it is, right? Like maybe the trends are a little more clear internally because they've got data that's not released to the market. So maybe there's that. Here's, you know why I really, really, really hate guidance though is because of the adverse, perverse impact it has on people inside the organizations because mm. it becomes this stupid short-term goal chasing behavior because yes. we said, we told the market X and so come hell or high water and, and General Electric GE under Jack Watch was a classic for this. I quite like some of Jack's writing. But they used to beat Wall Street estimates by a cent every single time. Yeah. And there was nothing, nothing illegal and nothing even super dodgy about it, but they would do whatever they had to do to beat Wall Street estimates by a cent. Just dig into that. So that, well, they might bring sales forward a little bit. you know, yeah, something or they'd sell something or they'd pull out some expenses or they'd do whatever needed yep. to happen yep. just to get... And so to, yeah, that's exactly the point, mate, is that you know, if you, we, we, we sit here as investors and investors, by definition, the, the phrase, as David Gardner says, long-term investing should be a tautology. Investing mm. should be long-term by definition. Mm. If you're an investor, you want the value of your business to be worth more in 10 years' time. And some CEO says to his or her staff, hey, guys, um, go out there and do whatever you have to do to get the sales number this month because it's the end of the quarter, end of the half, and I need to tell. It's like, really? And I, I, have, I have worked for businesses who've done exactly this. I, like crystal clear examples where it's like, and no one does it deliberately to say, oh, stuff to the long term. They kind of all believe, they tell themselves, we'll fix it the long term and it's only a short term problem, but we'll fix it next half and we'll do some more things or we'll push the sales team harder or we'll do whatever. We'll make it up to them. We'll try and fix it. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you get away with it. Other times you just dig a deeper and deeper and deeper hole and the next mm. poor CEO comes in and goes, oh, Jesus, I guess I've got to fix this thing then. And that's, mm. you know, we, we kind of laugh at CEOs coming in and taking what they call big bath, you know, writing everything off and, and resetting everything. Often, clean, clean slate. Yeah, and look, often yeah. they're being cynical. Often it is literally just the case of like, you're doing what? Mm. I, I'm not going to keep doing that. That's ridiculous. I get a chance to actually fix this once and for all. I'm going to do it now when I take over and stop all this rubbish. And, you know, yeah. I've been for businesses where every year the, the, the discounts you give customers get higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Why? Because mm. you had a sales number to meet every time. And, and mm. screw the long-term brand value. Screw the long-term sales momentum. Yeah, yeah, who cares? Worry about that next year. Right now, I've just got to get a number so I can make the ASX. It's just, it's just mad. Like, it's complete stupidity. Um, and CEOs it, know that deep down. They just can't help themselves. It's counterproductive. It's counterproductive. Oh, and that's pretty and, and, yeah, 
Yeah. So full anyway. circle. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we are. We are coming into uh, <laughs> confession season, and, and we are gonna we are gonna see some of some of some of this stuff kind of happen. Yeah. Um, Do you have I any get, inklings of what you think you might we might see, or from who, or by what for what? Uh, I suspect I suspect that if in any any direction there'll be downgrades, okay. and that's because some of these forecasts were made a while ago, and, and since <laughs> then the world has moved in a certain direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, the input costs for almost all businesses have gone up, even if yeah, it's just yeah, fuel yeah. or power. Mm-hmm. Um, but even raw materials, logistics costs, uh, wage pressures—they've all gone mm-hmm. up, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's gonna that's gonna um, it's gonna impact things. Mm. Um, so I, I suspect that is going to be the case. And again, this is this is just me shooting the breeze yeah, here. Yeah. I've got no idea, but I wouldn't also oh, be surprised <laughs> if the market's reaction was was overly harsh because the market okay. is in a brittle. Um, <laughs> you don't want you don't want to put a downgrade out at the moment, do you? Let's be honest. Yeah. Look, look, look when when everything is firing and things are just shooting to the moon, you can kind of there's a bit of bad news, and people will. We'll look at it glass yeah. half full. Yeah, <laughs> the market is very much looking at it glass half full at the moment. Yeah. So it's yeah. like yeah. half empty. I, I, I've seen it actually. I'm trying to think of the names now, but companies was just like they have yeah, they totally. have pulled back their guidance by three or four percent at the midpoint, right? Yeah. yeah, and shares and shares will drop twenty percent. Oh yeah, absolutely. Whoa, yes. whoa. Yes. Okay, okay. You know, not as good as we thought. And maybe, <laughs> look, the other people might say yes, but actually it, it points to deeper structural problems, and and maybe there's there's truth to that in some circumstances, but. <laughs> I feel as though you that's, know better than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually actually think these are these are they're interesting dynamics because it it is it is something that is potentially an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Where yes, absolutely. You know, the market absolutely. just just throws its toys out of the cot. Yeah, and and on news that it is is objectively bad like yeah, no yeah, question yeah. it's like okay yeah. we're not we, we are now earning less than we thought we were going to for this particular year maybe even for the year after I mean that's not good news I'm not going to try and spin yeah. it that way yeah but it probably we've often said the real value of a business is the sum of all its future cash flows right yeah. pure and simple adjusted for in, inflation and, and what return you might want to get get from those cash flows that's, that's exactly. it yep and so okay we're, we're going to earn five ten percent less this year next year year after that you, you add that all up from mm-hmm. here till kingdom come it's actually a tiny difference in any intrinsic value calculation oh, it's a madness isn't it like you think yeah, about the size of the decline it, compared to it's yeah it's really really it's bizarre. crazy it's crazy it, it really and yet, is and yet the market will because it's so short term focused, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously very big falls. So it can yeah. be, it can be an adv- an opportunity. The key thing, the key mm, thing, mm, as mm. I've touched on, is is to understand what you're talking about. Is you know just the normal mm. bumps in the road, the mm. normal cyclicalities, the cut and thrust of, of of business, and not oh no, we are there is we're at a, <laughs> we're facing a long term existential decline because yeah, the business yeah, is yeah. no longer relevant or oh, I know, you know it's bizarre that, that, isn't that, it? that, that that's the key that is absolutely the key. Can I talk uh, about the impact of that, mate? Because uh, we we uh, we do we do temperament regularly, and we we have lots of questions about what next, what to think, how to think, how to invest, all that kind of stuff. And so I just want to I just want to describe in my to in my own mind my thoughts the the what can happen in the way investors tend to react so so you see you talk about the, the you know, big falls there'd be 10 15 20 percent falls on a given day and you say if those falls are overdone relative to the decline in the business which are often the case there can be an opportunity for investors the problem is then the what comes next and there is no easy answer to this and there's no even easy way to to, to explain it because it all comes down to frankly random chance and the human in the human tendency to perceive um, meaning or to to assign meaning 
and then to try and recognise patterns that aren't there. Mm. So let me unpack that. Mm. If we see company X pages paper pens four by fifteen percent on on a on a, on the sense that profits down two percent, right? You say, hang on, that sounds pretty good to me. I I think pages paper pens looks 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 cheap enough to buy. That's an overreaction. There's this value being created or potential value being created for investors by overlooking the short term dramas and buying the long term business. What comes next either is, and this is obvious, but let's go with it, either the shares keep falling mm. or they bounce back. Mm. And so the investor, and this is, this is where we get in our own ways as investors, right? Because we're so desperately keen to avoid any losses and we're so keen to prove we're smart by picking the bottom, which is the, mm. just the world's worst phrase, um, that we, we kind of get ourselves tangled up in knots. Because mm. someone looks at it and goes, ah, but they'll probably keep falling. I'll wait till they keep falling. Or someone says, oh, they're going to bounce back. Or, or you know, And whatever happens next, we kind of somehow think there's going to be value. So the, the investor who says, okay, well, it's fallen 15%, but now it'll probably keep falling because the market hates us. I'm not going to buy the shares yet. Mm. And sometimes it keeps falling. See, I told you, other times it bounces back and they go, oh, I missed it. Mm. And that whole idea of being so desperate to assume we might know what comes next or to avoid the losses. If a business falls 15%, then another five, and then goes back up 50%, of course, we'd rather wait, but if you didn't know, wouldn't you rather have bought at 15% discount and then get the 50% upside anyway, mm. rather worry about where it goes next in the short term? And so, because there's so many, there's so much of that, mate, the, the, the conversation, and the reason I'm saying it, we hear this so regularly, right? Oh, it's fallen, the market hates it. I'm going to wait till the market starts liking this thing again or whatever else it is that we want to pretend All the we, think time. we can know. Mm. And it's just, it's just completely unknowable. Like, it is completely unknowable. And so, yep. I, just, I guess I just want to throw that out because... You know, and then look, no one likes it. I bought shares where I thought they were cheap and they keep falling and they keep falling and they keep falling. Dude, like, every oh, time man. I buy shares, they drop the next Right, day. right. And you think, I'm oh, the oh, ultimate man, reverse indicator. I should sell, <laughs> I should sell a newsletter, which is whenever I buy, a, I'm going to tell you when I'm going to buy a <laughs> share. And then all, exactly. just, but it just means that you just, just wait, <laughs> wait a little bit and you'll get a much cheaper than I do. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, that's right, the, the, the Andrew plus two strategy or something. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and, and look, there is, no, there is no so what other than to just remind our listeners that, don't try and don't try and pick the bottom because it's it's dumb and no one can ever do it. So you're wasting your time. But also too, if you get presented with value, value is value no matter what happens in the short term next, yeah. and you can't know. So this is this is pure looking gift horse in the mouth stuff. If someone says to you, "Hey, here's a dollar. Would you like to pay me eighty cents for it?" And you say, "No, I might wait in case it's seventy five cents at some point." That's the point I was just going to make. Cool. So the way the way I think about it is, let's say I've done a lot of work on a business. I mm-hmm. feel as though I understand it really well. And that'll probably be worth ten bucks in five yep. years' time. Yep. And yep. and I get that number processes we've talked before, but you know, basically what they're earning, how the market might judge. You know, it's a guess, it's a total guess, yep. but that yep. for whatever reason I've I've come up with that number. <laughs> now, if I want a ten percent return, well, mm-hmm. I just divide that ten by one point one mm-hmm. again and again and again five times. It come it comes out to six twenty. Six twenty mm-hmm. six dollars and twenty one cents. There you go. Well done. So my calculus is um, if the market or not is where is the market going to go mm. it's where is it now is it at that value right right. right. is it at six dollars 21 yep. if so i'll buy it yep. why because i'll get the return that i want yep if it's at if it, if it then drops to five dollars like great actually now i'm gonna get now my return's even better as a lot what matters to me is whenever a piece of news comes out it's like how does that impact my future estimate of mm. value that's mm. the key thing mm. i'd love to be able to pick it in the turning point but that's that's the north star and and that that impacts yeah, everything. No. Sometimes news will come out and I go, yep. oh, what the hell was I thinking? Ten dollars? <laughs> I should have said eight dollars because I yeah, got that. Yeah. I got made a fun. And then I'll, and then yeah. I'll readjust. And that will adjust what what I what I do. Mm-hmm. But as long as that as long as that other number remains unchanged, mm-hmm. that's the one that I want to anchor on. Not 
what the market is doing. Mm. And and you wanna know what it let's say let's say I do that. Let's say I buy it six twenty and then it will it is actually at ten dollars in, mm. in five years time. Mm. I mean, does it really matter if it goes to one dollar between then and now? I mean it it matters for if I like to have a good night's sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that matters. <laughs> that's why it matters exactly. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Matters, and that's why it does matter, yeah. I suppose, yeah. on that front. But yeah. but I'm still getting my ten yeah. percent return, which I said was was adequate for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I got my ten percent return plus I got an opportunity to lock in like you know fifty percent returns <laughs> as as well because it went it went down. That's the north star. That's mm-hmm. what you need to focus on. Super yeah, easy nice. to, to for me to articulate. Incredibly difficult to do, which is why so few people do it and. Why so few people um, get it wrong? Oh, get it, get it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look, I just and yeah, I think I just think it's important because I, you know, I just the 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 idea of being you know penny wise and pound foolish really is what describes that sort of behaviour of like you know mm. it's dropped from a dollar to seventy five cents. I won't buy it in case it goes to seventy. So you, you and you know it's not it's not so obvious. We're not given an absolute dollar at absolutely seventy five cents. We're, we're given a, a five dollar share price on a business we think might be worth six dollars twenty one. To use your to use your example, right? So mm-hmm. so sometimes you get that opportunity and you go, okay, well, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. If it goes to four fifty or four dollars, well, okay, you can might go, oh, it's a shame. I could have bought it cheaper. But that literally should be just, oh, it's a shame. Mm-hmm. That, not not you know I'm going to wait just in case I can get it cheaper. Um, it's just human nature is we're just we're just, we are not very good. At mm-hmm. this process, so roughly right, but it's precisely wrong. We've said it all. We've said it so many times. Perfect is, is the enemy so of good. Truth. Right, exactly. Yep. Um, yep. Anyway, long, long, long way just to describe the fact that if you see a share price sell off, if it goes cheaper from there, so be it. Right. I've said before. Eight, eight. Well, let's mention it for fun. Right. One, one more time before I go on holidays. We'll talk about Kogan. Uh, the shares are now at like well, I don't know what they are. Three dollars ish. I haven't. I, I don't look at my portfolio. People are always surprised. I don't know the price of these things. I just don't. Um, shares are about three bucks. Right. Did I like them at five dollars? Yes. Does it suck? They're now three dollars. Yes. Am I having people tell me I'm so badly wrong because the market because the shares have fallen? Absolutely yes. Do I like that? No. <laughs> Let's get those questions out of the way early. But if I'm right, this is a ten dollar stock or something at some point. Then you know, of course, I'm disappointed. It went to three dollars before it goes back to ten. Now, if it never goes to ten, it goes to one and stays there. Then I'm wrong anyway. Um, whether I bought it five or three, one dollar still losing most of my money, right? Um, but it's just, it's just, you know, whether where it goes on the way through is just completely material. It's a shame. Mm. I wish it didn't. It sucks. Mm. I'd like mm. it to go straight up, please. That'd be lovely. Um, but yeah, just just kind of drives me a little bit, um, a, a little bit spare that we we. And I'm, I don't even blame people for doing it because, as you say, mate, sleepless nights, and we don't, we worry about it. But here's the here's the. I'll, I'll finish with this. You feel free to add up. I'll, I'll finish with this. We as investors say, I'm going to buy shares because I think the market is wrong about this company. Mm-hmm. Thereafter, we assume the market's right. <laughs> so, yes. so yes. I, you know, yeah. I, I like, I like Kogan at five dollars. Just pick a number, right? Because uh, I think the market's wrong about Kogan. It goes to three. Oh my God, the market's right. It's three dollars. So, mm. what, what, what did I like? When, when did I all of a sudden assign the market some your know, prescience between the time I said it was wrong, so I bought the shares, and now all of a sudden I think the market's wised up and finally got it right, and all of a sudden now I'm wrong? Like just, just the cognitive dissonance of just that process alone is enough to remind us. I hope. Uh, that you just gotta, you've just gotta cool your jets. Yeah, yep. So I, I, one one qualifier mm. to to what you're saying is is that if if the shares you buy at five and then it goes to three, yep. But 
Rosalind comes out and says, actually, I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, I've, I, I, sorry, I, I bought all this stuff. I did all this. Real, and that's different, right? Yeah. So we're yeah, not saying, yeah. when we, and this is where I think people get, get confused. Not, yeah. We're not saying, oh, it's, don't worry about when share prices go Correct. down. That's, that's it's it's like, do that. don't automatically yes, worry when share prices come down. So yes. when we, as we go into this earnings or uh, confession season and you see some news come out mm-hmm. and the share price fall, um, just go and read the announcement yep. and, and put that in context of what does that mean for the business. Um, it may be that, it, in fact, this happens to me a bit where it's actually, mm. yep, uh, objectively I, I am lowering my valuation on that. Mm. But I still won't do anything because it just turns out that while I may have gone from $10 to nine fifty in my valuation, the share <laughs> price has gone from 8 to $6. Yeah, so it's still, right, it's right. still a positive yes. thing. Yes. And the other thing I would say too is that there's a wonderful T.S. Eliot um, quote Mm. which is it's the journey, it's not the destination, mm, mm. Um, which is just such a wonderful quote for life. Mm. Um, it's a really bad quote for investing because with investing, it's the destination, it's not the journey. I, I, I yeah. would flip it around yeah. entirely when it because it, it's really – um, the, the journey is going to be a it's not, it's not going to be a fun journey, right? But you're going to do it anyway because, because the destination is going to be awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, let's let's move on because it was just it was a it was a worthwhile conversation, mate. Um, let's let's go back to the macro for a second. Um, I I kind of it's it's tempting to think that uh, central bankers around the world are having this kind of chest beating, hold my beer conversation and and uh, and trying to outdo each other because we're recording this on Thursday morning as we always do, Wednesday night our time. And Jerome Powell, Jay Powell, the U.S. Fed chair. Uh, the headline, and a, a big whack across the across the side of the head to the headline writers too. Headline headline reads: uh, Powell refuses to rule out 100 basis point interest rate increase. Oh, rule out. God, I hate the rule out rule in. That's nonsense. yeah, exactly. So, and the, I massive props to Jay Powell. Right, he's done exactly what he should have done. At he was asked at a Senate committee meeting. Right in the U.S., can you rule this out? He said, "No, I'm not going to rule anything out." Which is exactly why, what he why should would do. You, why would you? I mean, I don't. I mean, that's what he said. Maybe, maybe, the, said. maybe the nuclear missile is launched tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not going to rule. I'm, oh, but you ruled that it's out. Stupidity. Like, yeah, well, it's absolute stupidity. Things change, man. So yes, that that was the uh, that was the that was exactly the point I wanted to make in terms of the headlines. Just a dumb dumb headline. But yeah, uh, they have talked about potentially. So well. Two things. First, potentially raising rates by three quarters of a percent. Actually, that is on the table. So not mm-hmm. not only are they not ruled out higher, but this is on the table. This is an active consideration, which is something, right? That that's an actual positive point to make, rather than rather than not ruling out anything else. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, the what I thought was it was more interesting is they have basically said they think they'll probably front load this. So they're going to put rates up fast and hard early to get towards neutral really fast. So we're on this sequential, and this is a question we've had a lot of times from a lot of people. Well, if the RBA is going to put rates up by X, why don't they just do it now and get it over and done with? Mm. And it's actually what the US Fed is basically talking about potentially doing. Just saying, look, this is, you know, we, we, we need to get back to some sort of more neutral level. Doing it slowly is a waste of time. We're going to do it. We're going to do it now and do it, do it fast. Now, the US Fed has a benefit, or in this case, it's a cost or, or a downside when rates are falling for them. They have more Americans, most Americans, in fact, on fixed rate mortgages. So the impact on the U.S. economy of rate rises is nowhere near as significant in terms of the the, the literal impact on um, on spending. That they you know for every for every whatever quarter point rise, for example, uh, there's just simply less of an impact in the U.S. than there is here. 
because most mm-hmm. of the Yanks are on fixed rates, which means they don't actually get impacted by those rate changes. And so they go, well, whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter. Whereas here, most people are on variables. And so you, you know, the, the RBA here has a much greater and more direct, more immediate impact on the economy. So there is that. Uh, but just that was interesting, mate. They, they've kind of pretty much gone, hey, this is, you know, it's changing the the kind of the speed, the pace of, of what they, they might be doing. Partly, I think, again, mate, because inflation continues to be high, 9% in the UK during the week. Um, inflation. Mm. Um, you know, this is... This and that's is the print. To- that's, that's the trimmed mean, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, there's... You, yeah. you, you throw in... Energy and stuff often gets excluded because it's so volatile. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, show me someone who doesn't use energy and I'll show you a unicorn. Like, they... It, <laughs> I don't know if you filled up your car recently. Yeah. I have. <laughs> it's, like, it's a real cost. With, with diesel just quietly, which is worse than you pass on letter. What, there, was a, there was a time diesel was cheap. Now it's more expensive than unleaded. No, so it's, it's, super, it's, it's, it's just so 9% on, on the standard yeah. sort of measure. I, I yeah. would suspect um, it's more than that for, mm-hmm. for the average household. Mm-hmm. In fact, the government over there is, is actually um, yeah. sending out, I guess for all intents and purposes, stimulus checks to help households meet their energy costs yeah. and stuff. So it's, yeah. it's pretty serious, pretty serious stuff. Yeah. I, I suspect I suspect the 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 Fed is going to try and tip the economy into a recession on purpose because well, that's it's it's the lesser it's the yeah. lesser of two evils. Yeah. We want a soft land. I mean, the reality is is they can't let interest rate. I don't think interest rates will get too high. I think they'll they'll do a big scary moves early. Yeah. Uh, put put the fear of God into people. Mm-hmm. Probably tip it into a bit of a recession. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just won't be able to raise money or, or afford their debt if if, yeah, if they let interest rates go up. That, that's what's <laughs> different now to in yeah. the past. It's yeah. just like we can't the, the this is why the this is why the burden of debt does ultimately mm-hmm. matter mm-hmm. At, at a point. The, the the your hand you've painted yourself into a corner. If you if if rates were to get way too high, you bankrupt the government mm-hmm. essentially. Or or the government just gets out of it by printing more money, yes. essentially, <laughs> in which you get hyperinflation. Which adds inflation, correct, exactly. And that's, that's so the, so you, that's it's, this, it's this horrendous rock and a hard place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they would never say this because mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. they don't want to have another march on the capital. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, they're, they're going to try and tip, tip, tip the economy into a recession and, and cross their fingers that it's a reasonably mild one. Yeah. I, I, I will say, I, I, would, I would give a slightly different version of your comment, which is I think they will happily run the risk of doing it. I don't think they're going to deliberately doing it. As in, they're, no, I don't, don't know they would target a recession as the end goal. Um, personally, or you may disagree, which is fine. I, I, I think they're saying we, we, we are going to go and try and cause a recession. I think they're saying we will do whatever we have to do and if it causes a recession, then so be it. Yeah. So I, I think probably to my mind, that's probably, and I, well, you can have to have a different view, but yeah, that, I just, I think that's more likely. Um, they, and they've, they've effectively said as much. They're just like, you know, this will be painful, this will hurt. And we've talked about this before. So it's not, again, not new news from us either, but um, just just a real reminder. And you've, you've set up beautifully the, the risks that they face by not doing the work properly. And so mm-hmm. they're going to do what they have to do to make sure that, you know, they, they, they get inflation back under control. Because getting out of control, you reckon high, you reckon high interest rates suck, you wait and you see inflation get out of control. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's the stuff that no one's going to be able to cope with. And inflation, right. inflation is a tax. Yeah. Let's, yes. let's be, yes. let's be yes. clear about that. I mean, yep. it's not just this economic... Co- but it's it worse is, it nothing is, for it. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is collectively yeah. robbing yeah. all yeah. of us of our that's savings right. and our that's purchasing right. power. That's right. Uh, it's exactly what it is. It's, yep. it's, it's a really horrible, horrible thing. A little bit, yeah. 2 to 3% people will say is good. Yep. I'm actually coming around. I don't even know if that's true anymore. I'm starting to doubt that. But anyway, it's, it's sort of... There's a strong argument for, yeah. for that, but... But yeah, at, 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 at the rates that we are seeing mm-hmm. at the moment, and as we've said before, these are 
These are not because people mm-hmm. are getting out of control with their spending. These are these are yeah, more supply right. led right. kind of things. Yeah, outside of the Fed's control. So, yep. but it's um, the but it's the the implication and and what but why they're doing something about it. And this is the question we get a lot: is hang on, if it's all about oil prices, why is the RBA trying to do something? Why is the Fed trying to do something? And the answer is the feedback loops. Yeah, because if you yeah, yeah. let if you let inflation become endemic. Even no matter where it comes from. In fact, actually, so interesting enough, mate, Governor Lowe actually talked about this. Um, I think it was this week. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he basically said it is now becoming local. So he said, yep. you know, inflation was global. Now it's becoming local. In other words, the feedback loops they're seeing are starting to actually come tr- to into fruition, mm-hmm. and that's that's their big issue. Is like, you know what? Yep, it sucks that it's coming from overseas. Yes, we, it sucks that it's supply. If we let it become part of effectively demand, then that you know stuff gets real real fast at that point, and that's what they're trying to stamp down. Yep. Can I give you? Can I go? Please. I'm, I'm going to blow your mind a little bit here because this is this is not my. Here we go. It's not you my. You've, can, I, can I tell you, mate? You've 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 set a high bar there. You've you've absolutely sold the lead. So if it's not as good as you hope it's going to be, you're going to disappoint a whole lot of listeners. But anyway, go, no, go on, no, go on. Try and blow my mind. I'll see. We'll see I how am, we go. I am seriously here. considering mm. investing in energy companies, oil and gas. Oh, look out! And I've, it's always been why. something I've never had any interest in. And let's put the ethical thing aside. Yeah. And that I just don't want to get into it, but yeah. I, I'll, I will just say it is it is important to me. Right? Yep. It's not it's not an industry I want to support. You know my view on ethical investing. I'm not going to criticize you for buying shares in an oil company. It's a whole other it's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but even when you move that si- that mm-hmm. aside, the yeah. reason it's, I've never found it palatable is that they're in, um, extraordinarily capital intensive industries. Yeah. Yep. So you've got to spend. Hundreds of millions of dollars over very long periods of time, and eventually mm-hmm. you get some money out of it. And <laughs> yeah, right. and 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 the money that you get is highly uncertain yeah, because you, yeah. you'll be selling on on this commodity on an international market. You'll have a certain cost of production, yeah. uh, which you'll do your best to estimate, but <laughs> the, the estimate will probably be wrong, and yeah. and you have no idea what it's going to be. So yeah, it right. might be that you, well, by the time the oil is ready to sell, mm. it's two hundred bucks a barrel mm. or it's fifty dollars mm. a barrel. <laughs> so it's a huge difference, right? So they're very difficult businesses, very difficult, and 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 history shows that. It's not me mm. just making mm. this proclamation. History mm. will support me on that. Mm. But this is why I think it's interesting at the moment. And it's not because oil prices are high, because you know you would sort of say eventually there'll be a supply side response. Mm-hmm. But why I think it's interesting is that there will be there at the moment no one is investing because there's a very strong ESG sort of right, push right. and mandate here. So when we say investing, you're talking about investing in new capacity rather than buying shares. No, I'm talking. Shares? I'm talking about buying shares. All oh, right, okay. So, so no one, no one's buying shares because of ESG. Okay, cool. Yep. So yep. so so multiples in these areas are actually lower than they've been historically because big sovereign funds, super funds, it's just like, oh, we've got this ESG mandate, we yep. can't invest in oil and gas yeah, anymore. Okay, yep, so yep, the multiple yep. goes lower, right? right for whatever, yep. for good or ill, it just it just goes better. Mm-hmm. The companies themselves are going. Well, I'm not going to commit to a decade long, <laughs> you know, <laughs> two right. billion dollar project. Yeah. Why am I doing that? So this, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the tobacco companies. Hmm. So you've got a situation where I've got very, very low multiples. In other words, I'm getting a very high free, uh, very high uh, earnings yield on on these businesses. And also in the past, that might not have been still not attractive because hmm. any earnings that I get are going to be reinvest, reinvested. Because they're not going to be reinvested, there's no regulatory or political certainty. There's all kinds of things, reasons as to why they wouldn't. There's a big hmm. transition hmm. underway with renewables. So it's actually you're actually going to get a high free cash flow yield. So I'm going to get a I'm going to buy deliberately long term. But I'm, I'm going to I'm thinking of buying deliberately long term <laughs> into a business like this okay. because I'm getting a very high free cash flow yield. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Where even if the earnings decline over time as they have with tobacco, where sales mm-hmm. have just been, the smoking rates have just been going down year after year after year for the mm-hmm. last 50 years. Um, and yet you've done incredibly well because I've, and, and the key here is there's two keys here. Firstly, you've got to have a company that has established production. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, you've got a management who is, condi- who is committed to running it for cash. Now, they, they might be, that might really um, reduce your uh, opportunity set. Right, right. But I think if you can find that, mm-hmm. I'm going to probably get very high yields, companies who buy their dividends back, which means I get even better yields. And it won't be, won't that I do particularly that much on the share price from, mm. but overall with my income and my, my gains from buybacks, I'll probably do really well over time. What do you think? Should I do it? <laughs> Fascinating, mate. Um. I, it's an interesting idea, right? It is a very interesting idea. I'm, I'm. So the the thing you didn't necessarily told, told you I blow your minds. Told you, you, did. you I blow. Uh, yeah, you were right. And by the way, listen, we haven't talked about this. This is the genuinely new news. This is um, so I'm I'm processing in real time. Yeah. Um, tell me about your thoughts about the not so everything you've talked about is is I think possible. I haven't even I haven't looked at free cash flows and and, and free cash flow yields. But assuming you're right, I assume you are. I, I, that all checks out. What about the question of volatility of prices, the actual commodity prices themselves? Because cigarette companies don't have volatile tobacco prices to deal with, or if they do, it's you know relatively moderate and they can mm. they control it and that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. If the oil price goes to forty dollars and two hundred dollars and forty dollars and two hundred dollars multiple times over your holding period, Good it's question. not just it's not just a straight line decline of free cash flows, even if they are. It's a it's it's a question of what happens. Those cash flows will be volatile during that period of time, and if they spend long periods of time at low oil prices, which frankly, as a motorist, I desperately hope will be true. Um, yeah. uh, what your thoughts on that? Yeah, so you do have to have a bit of a macro view, and mine would be that there's we're actually probably going to have a bit of a supply uh, shortage okay. um, just just because of no one's and this isn't something that's just mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. since Ukraine. Like there's mm-hmm. actually been massive underinvestment in, in right. recent years. Right. So there's just and, and these these aren't things that you can just you know press a button and, and it, it takes a long time to sort of ramp this kind of stuff up. Yeah. Okay. So I don't I don't know that there will be a, a big supply. So I think energy price and the, uh, this is why I'm also quite worried about inflation. I, right, I think right, that that right. energy is the basis of our entire economy. Mm. I don't think we're going to see low. We might see prices lower than where they are now, mm. but I think the days of cheap energy are just long gone. Huh. And, and we've got this huge infrastructure spend as we do trans. So eventually, when we make the transition, and we've we've built out all the infrastructure, we will have abundant cheap power, and it'll be great. It'll be a really great world to live in. Mm. But that that's mm. a decade long, pro- multi multi decade long process. Mm. So in the in it, for a, for a reasonably long period of time, I think we're going to have above average prices. Mm. One risk would be the government risk, which we've mm. seen happen, where they sort of say, actually yeah. going to charge yeah. you increased royalties on um, yeah. that. But they'll still Woodside Energy. Mm. Is on an eight and a half percent yield. It's on mm. a PE of eight point something, mm. right? And then so so again, assuming that all they do is go right. Well, we're just going to sell what we can. We're making yep. super normal profits at the yep. moment, yep. Yep. and we're just going to pay you out in big fat dividends and and buy our sh- buying shares back is is always going to help. But mm. when buying your shares back at very very low multiples, it really helps, yeah, right? Exactly. So I'm well, getting, that, I'm that is the secret of. Reinvested dividends and share buybacks are the secret of long-term outperformance for the cigarette companies and others, right? So you did it right. So, so here's, here's, here's laying it out. It's like mm. a company that has um, the ability to generate high-margin sales mm. for at least the next five or ten years, mm. um, probably more, more certainly over the next three to five years, mm. 
very very high dividend yield on on the intro. I mean, again, if I'm getting if I'm it, Woods, I'm just picking on Woodside just because it's a better yeah, known yeah. company. Please yeah, don't run out and buy it because of what I'm saying. <laughs> um, it's 100 percent frank, so you I'm actually said. getting more yeah. than a 10 percent yield on yeah, that, right? right? Yeah, um, uh, it's not going to take long for mm, me to actually mm, pay back mm, my entire investment mm. with that, especially if, if, if with increasing profits, we're going to see increasing dividends that might mm. go up three or four percent a year. Probably, I'll probably, I'll probably get my money back mm. in five or six years entirely through dividends, and the rest of it is is just money for jam on top of that. So it's mm. any look as I this is a thought bubble that no, I've I just like laid it. on like you it. here, but it, like it. It, it strikes me as the. In a world where everyone is shunning this stuff because mm. of ESG, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, in a world of of structurally higher energy prices, mm. in a world of nervousness around reinvestment of mm. bringing on new capacity, it strikes me as something that again, the, the key thing here is to have management who's on the same page, mm. because there'll be some management just just silly and they go oh yeah, well you know yeah, we, yeah, we're, yeah. we're building a new well because that's what we do yeah. it's like yeah but the economics aren't great the optics aren't great yeah we're doing it anyway <laughs> that's okay no, yeah. don't not going yet but if someone goes yeah we, we, we. it's like that this is the genius of the tobacco companies right one in their incredibly effective um mm. uh, uh, uh propaganda campaigns mm. <laughs> you know like they were very good at that but also because they saw the writing on the wall and they said, "Okay, well, we're just we're just we're going to stop investing in new things and we're going to we're going to pay all our shareholders out as much cash as we can." Um, again, there's a huge ethical elephant in the room, and I don't mm. I don't want to ignore that. But mm. I, in this instance, let's ignore it. From a pure, I'm trying to maximize my returns. I, I feel as though it's I feel as though it's there's there's a play to be had there. Nice. So, look, I, you, you know very well my view on ethical investing, whether you own them or don't own them. I don't expect the companies to do anything different. And it doesn't mean you, don't, you have to feel icky about it or not. Uh, but I, I would I would happily disregard the ethical invest, investing issues on your behalf, uh, but recognise you won't. Mate, the oil price is higher than it's been uh, almost any time except for before it came for inflation, uh, mm. the period between 2007, 2008. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think your thesis is right. I won't be doing what you suggest. And the reason I, I won't be doing it is because I don't... I would, I would, I would suppose, uh, with nothing to back me up, that things will be, remain more cyclical than your hypothesis suggests. Mm. And I would imagine, if I was going to be a betting man, that the... Let, let, uh, let, let's, let's say for fun... I, I'm gonna. I'm just like a bottle. Of, let's put a bottle of red wine on this just for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reckon the price over the next five years, the weighted average price of the next five years, is lower than the current price. We've been made yeah. bet. Just, yeah. just outright, right? And I, and I do think the supply one is. You're absolutely right. I don't know the answer to that. Other than as much as the big guys aren't doing it, there's lots of little guys out there trying desperately to find more oil. I spoke to one oil company executive. We're actually gonna have him on the Good Oil podcast soon. Um, not, not that I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a big energy investor either. But I had an interesting chat with him, and it just because of the way he described it, I was like, "That's interesting. I'd like our listeners to hear it." So we're going to do mm. a good oil episode on it. Uh, but they're desperately trying to find oil all around the world. Mm. Um, others are doing the same. Uh, the other thing that, that gets me on this, why I really struggle with energy, mate. The one thing that kind of keeps me on the sidelines a little bit is, or everything you've talked about is absolutely true. When you talk about government, though, the biggest swing factor or potential swing factor in the world is the OPEC cartel. Yeah, because. When the oil price now over $100 a barrel, their cost of getting it out of the ground is routinely suggested to be single digits or very, very low double digit per dollars per barrel. Mm. So if your cost base, because it's so plentiful, so accessible in the Middle East, 
if your if your cost base is literally eight, ten, twelve, fifteen dollars a barrel, mm. and you can produce, they could double their output tomorrow at that same price or close enough to it. They don't because they want to keep some sort of global scarcity, and that supports your your thesis, by the way. Mm. But the, the the flick of a pen from a bureaucrat or a uh, uh, what, what's a, what's some what do you call it? What sort of crat is it when there's a royal family involved? Is it a a, a monocrat? Monocrat. <laughs> Let's go with that. Monocrat. It's fun. Yeah. No, it's not really. It's made it up. Uh, but yeah, when someone says, um, let's increase the amount of oil, then the price comes tumbling down. Or when they say, nah, let's shut the tap off. It goes up. I, I, I find that, to me, like I just, of all the things, it's a bit like sovereign risk in a different, in different kind of way. Um, they could literally change the entire oil supply demand dynamic over the next whatever period of time. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, and I'm not, I wouldn't, oh, yeah. I wouldn't, oh, yeah. I would take the other risks. side of your bet, by the way. I just wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't get involved in the bet because I just don't know. Um, your, your thinking, by the way, is not miles away from why I bought Fortescue shares back in whatever it was last year. Right. Um, uh, but I, I feel personally, just personally, better about oil than energy because of that unknown kind of uh, macro geopolitically kind of whatever uh, conversation that, that is, we're having. Um, yeah, I, 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 I know we'd never. I would I wouldn't, you. Yeah, I see. This is the thing, and I want to. I want to be clear here. I just it, it's a thought that's been percolating around. Like I don't even know yeah. if I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's a really I interesting. It's yeah, a really it interesting thought. And of course, any any investment that I lay out is gonna is gonna have risks. And, yeah. and you're right to yeah. sort of highlight the the right ones. Yeah, that's no, super. Um, but but yeah, I just I just thought it's it's an interesting. Thing. I think so mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. there is the the the. Um, as we've discussed before, being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian is just dumb. <laughs> yeah. But but there is there is value in thinking when everyone is thinking yeah, one thing, that's right, and they are convinced of it. It's yeah. sometimes worth taking the other view and going, well, mm, maybe mm, there's mm. another angle here. And in fact, you can agree with a lot of the bears. Mm, we had mm. sort of say, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's an industry in decline, etc. Um, mm. etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But but but. But all of the that that was the lesson of the tobacco industry, right? And I just it just strikes me that there's huge parallels there. Yeah. So anyway, food food for thought. Food for thought. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's uh 40 minutes into the podcast, start talking about stuff we thought we'd talk about. Um, let's go to <laughs> speaking of food for thought, speaking of reasons to get uh, a little energized. Crown Casino, Crown Entertainment, Crown Resorts, whatever they're called these days. Uh, as of, well, tomorrow our time, but today in, in podcast time, so on, on Friday, will um, will be owned by Blackstone. Blackstone is buying Crown. The shares have been suspended for a while. They formally take possession apparently tomorrow. And they get to take possession at a time when Crown has been granted the license to operate a casino in Barangaroo, which is uh, a newly formed kind of mini suburb location in, in, in the Sydney. Uh, on the harbour there, uh, James Packer's massive, great new skyscraper, which is uh, both a beautiful building and an absolute abomination on the shoreline, in my view. But that's just me. Uh, it looks like Stark been- Tower for any Marvel fans that are out there. <laughs> have you been to expect Iron Man to fly out the roof? Or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barangaroo's. Um, it's actually how lovely is the parkland? Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. So they've yep. done a really nice. Uh, full credit, well, partial credit to the city planners. Uh, James Packer got to put up a massive, great skyscraper. Uh, we like to put metal and steel things on shorelines, which I think is a real shame. If you look at old photos of Sydney where it actually had some green stuff, it was quite nice. Mm. Uh, but obviously, as part of that, the, the city planners have demanded, required some parkland be actually put on the headland, which is actually really lovely. So full credit to them for at least getting that as part of the development. Um, not not convinced it was net-net a win, but but that part of it is really lovely. Um, a new big building, hotel, shopping centre, and until now, no casino. Turns out, 
after all of the allegations, and I want to say allegedly, allegedly a few times, after all the allegations that were made about Crown, some of them proven, some of them maybe not, I'm not sure where they all landed, uh, about the way they operated their casino in other parts of the country, in the context of Star Entertainment, literally across the harbour from, from Barangaroo, having its own inquiry and own damning evidence being given, the regulator decided that Crown deserves a casino licence. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a little bit flabbergasted. I tweeted during the week, and Andrew, I know you liked that tweet, that uh, I'm not sure what you would have to do to lose a casino. If everything we've heard over the past couple of years about everything that's been wrong with the casino industry, I think we can say industry because the only two listed or big listed, there's another third one, the only two big listed casino operators are both being dragged through inquiries and, and as I said, in the, in the face of damning evidence. And they were seen to be, by the various regulators, not fit to run a casino, so they let them run the casino. <laughs> no, yeah. you didn't mishear that. They said, well, you guys aren't fit to run a casino, so we'll give you some time to get fit to run a casino. Mm. Now, I don't know what a license is worth, and I don't know what conditions you would have to, <laughs> what, what lines you would have to cross to actually lose a license these days. It seems like one of those, you have to be licensed, you have a social obligation, but if you don't discharge it, we'll, we'll you know, whack you over the, over the I was say with a wet lettuce, maybe a wet cabbage these days. Lettuce is hard to come by. Um, you got to whack with a wet bit of cabbage and then we'll tell you to fix up your act. You've got a couple of years to do it and go on minting a small fortune, uh, fleecing the punters of Australia and overseas. Um, yeah, that's that's reasonably jaundiced view of casino operators and casinos, but I don't know, Ram, what, 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 what would you need to do to lose a casino license in Australia these days? I don't know. I don't. I, maybe maybe you Money start laundering? like Check. not killing people ID. on Check. the floor. Giving, I, I giving, don't know. Giving false statements to governments and banks. Check. What like what else? Yeah, if, if your job isn't to be a responsible, you know, um, receiver and transmitter of money, and you screw that up, and that's your core business, and they go, no, it's okay. No worries. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what you got to do to lose one. Um, look, there there are some nuances here. So, and and some people in that tweet replied to you. It's like, well, actually, they've sold it, so it's a new owner, and also they had to, um, you know, meet certain conditions in order to be regranted, and they've now met those conditions and the rest of it. But I, yeah, I do think there's a little bit of semantics in all of that. At the end of the oh, day, they 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 were very allegedly um, <laughs> poor operators. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what oh. you have to do. I, I get, I really, I really don't get it. The, the, no. the, the argument always comes back to, oh yeah, but it creates a lots of jobs. Mm. And I go, okay, well, let's have a heroin industry. That that'll create <laughs> lots of jobs. Look, at, imagine, imagine the, imagine the, the you revenue. Have to hashtag sarcasm. That or someone's got to cop me. You know, uh, yeah, well, man, context and oh, it's, it's, it's a highly, highly addictive product, right? <laughs> we can make it from poppy seeds. So it's really, really high margin, highly addictive product. We'll get, we'll get the whole state, and you know, we'll make yeah. a. Sure, rules and lives, mate, but it's worth it, right? Oh, but look at look at the jobs. I mean, all the dealers have to support their families, and then all the processes and the trans, the mules. You know, it's just sort of like obviously at a point it gets ridiculous. So the fact that some economic activity employs people (laughs) is not a good enough argument in and of itself. Can can I I add to that too, mate? Because you're exactly right. I don't want you. I don't want to spoil your your comment, but. It's not we're not we're not even saying those people would be put out of a job or that we're, you know we're not we're not you're not calling well we might be separately not calling for the end of the casino industry we're just saying that operator shouldn't be allowed to operate a casino potentially if they were to break some certain rules and again we're not we're not legal eagles we, we don't want commissioners we're on those on those inquiries but if if you said tomorrow Page Incorporated can't run the casino the government's got to say hey who'd like to run a casino and Scott Incorporated says I'll do it please and they go, okay cool mm. so the jobs didn't even say go away they're going to shut for two weeks. And you reopen it and you, you say, well, you know, Crown, you, you can no longer run a casino. Go and do whatever else you want. 
You're no longer a casino operator or, or star or anybody else. Uh, we'll give it to somebody else. Like I said, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can take the casino away, but it doesn't even need to go away. You just literally say that building over there with its roulette wheels can be sold to somebody else to run the business. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't run it anymore. You're not allowed to run it. But bad luck, you're out. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. It reminds Again, me of, you know, so are, I was thinking about the, the, the geographic area, right? And so this is a really random example, but I was thinking about the area of Sydney. Bridge climb. You know, the, the kind of you know, oh, yep. climb the hub bridge. Yep. yep. That facility has the, the right to run that operation was granted to one operator. Mm. That right was taken away from the operator and has been mm. given to somebody else. Mm. That's it. The, the, you know, the, the bridge, no one stopped people climbing on the bridge. Yeah. The bridge wasn't, you know, the, the, and, that, and that company wasn't told, well, you've got five years to be able to run it better instead. I mean, it wasn't, they weren't necessarily, they didn't lose it because they ran it badly, by the way. It was just one of those kind of tender things. Mm. Why, why, why shouldn't we, as a, as, a, as a state, as a country, say to a casino operator, you have a right to run that, run that site mm. for as long as you remain a fit and proper person. When you stop being that, we'll give it to somebody else. Mm. Tell me that wouldn't focus the mind. I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. It just Sorry. it it just it, it it boggle it really does boggle the mind. It really it really does. Um, you know, and as we said before, like when, when Crown was in the news originally, and you kind of think, oh, you'd think Sydney Casino would be sort of the star would be um, sweating bullets. Yeah, she's we better get our house on order. And in the meanwhile, they're just up doing allegedly yeah. the same kind of thing. It's like. Gosh, you know, and literally like, with the same outcomes of you guys are very, very bad boys and girls. You're not fit to run a casino, so keep running it and just improve, will you? Dude, it's like if I'm selling drugs out of my two bedroom unit, and the, the bloke next <laughs> yeah, door is selling yeah. drugs out of, and he gets busted, yeah. I'm probably going to pull my head in from just keep it on the down low for a little bit, <laughs> right? Like just, <laughs> the theme I, I probably should come up with a better. Sure. Sure I should have come up with things. better analogies, and and uh, but it's still, it's kind of like you know, I. I feel as though it's it's the the incentives are too great oh, for absolutely. for this not to be the outcome. Again, Charlie yep, Munger, yep. show me the incentives, <laughs> I'll show you the outcome. Yeah. If you are familiar with your casino business, yep. I, I look, I, I love a bit of a flutter. I, I'll go in, throw fifty bucks on a blackjack table, or play yep. some poker. It's a bit of fun. I don't know yep. why. It's it's really <laughs> dumb. I'm just gonna. I might as well just torch my money, <laughs> and I don't hardly ever do it. But I get I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm not a Puritan that says thou shalt not ever go. do yeah. what you like, fill your boots. I don't care. I, I'm not I'm not one of those people. But but I'm not the kind of person, and people like that are not the people that keep the business going. Yeah, you know, it's, right. it's the problem gamblers. Yeah, yeah the addicts that, yeah. that really yeah. do all yeah. of the heavy lifting. It's the yeah. same with poker machines. Yeah. So for people to go, oh, but you're against this. Like, well, no, I'm, I'm against mm. exploitation, mm. and I'm against yeah. particularly against exploitation of society's most vulnerable. So, yeah. you know, you want to have you want to have gambling facilities? Fantastic. Well, how about we put a limit on that for for each? There, there, there's again, there is a whole spectrum of grey between the black and the white ends. Um, well, the red and the but, black is the case might be if you're playing. The red and the black in this instance, yes, very <laughs> boom. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's it's it is it is it is very depressing, and it goes to show you that that that, that you know powerful rich entities get held to a different account. Mm-hmm. You know, if I yep. if I again if I yep. let's, let's I'm, I'm, I've dug this hole now. Let's go with it. You know, if I'm oh, if dear. I'm dealing if I'm dealing drugs out the front of <laughs> of, of, of of Crown and I get busted. Yeah. You know, maybe and and. Um, maybe arguably the damage I'm causing is far yeah. less than than yeah. um, than what's going on in the building. I'm, I'm going to suffer far greater penalties than the person who's persecuting harm at, at, a, at a you know 10x level. That's it's what annoys me. Imagine, imagine you're a car. Imagine you're stealing cars, mm. and they go, 
all right, well, look, you're not a f- you shouldn't be stealing cars. Just keep stealing cars till you learn not to steal cars anymore, will you? Can I, can I have a chance to prove to that I won't? Yeah. You've got right. two years to stop stealing cars. And after that, if you haven't stopped stealing cars in two years, then we'll take some serious action. That's exactly what it is. That's yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Um, mates, we're running out of time. Uh, let's, so let's open a new can of worms. Stamp duty on land taxes. You oh, love dear. a bit of property. You, you suggest this topic and I say, yeah, good idea. And now as I'm bringing it up, I'm thinking... Oh, he just wanted to rant about property again. And I've fallen straight <laughs> in your trap and now I've even introduced the topic so I'm completely trapped. I'm, I'm a mug. I've been, I've been played for one. Um, interesting this week, the New South Wales government decided to implement a, a program allowing first home buyers to instead of paying an upfront lump sum of stamp duty, often in the tens of thousands of dollars, in fact, almost always in the tens of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. uh, for properties up to $1.5 million, for, for which is what a one bedroom unit in uh, Blacktown or something. Uh, for, first Car home space. buyers, <laughs> first home buyers can choose to pay instead four hundred dollars a year plus zero point three percent of the land value every single year. A plan that apparently means a break in is about thirteen years. Mm. So if you had decided to pay the land tax. If you're still there in 14 years, you've gone backwards. You've, you've actually lost on the deal. If you buy a place, pay land tax for five or six years, and then leave, you've actually saved yourself some money on what you would have paid in land tax. Now, I'm going to say before I ask you up front, mate, um, I think there's a bit of political fig leafery going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, when this was proposed by then Premier, uh, Treasurer Perrottet, now, now, now Premier Perrottet, uh, it was suggested as a, for every transaction, for everybody, optional but once it was in place it was locked onto that property forever and so eventually the entire state's real estate income stream would move from stamp duty on sale to land tax on the purchase uh, sorry on on any property owned in new south wales so it was this budget transforming income producing growth tax because let's be honest the prices are always going to keep going up uh it was supposed to be some sort of way for the government to future proof its income stream and its funding and it was this kind of budget measure to, to revolutionise state funding. It's turned into the same thing by name, land tax rather than stamp duty, but now it's a very, 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 very watered down quasi-affordability measure for first home buyers only up to a certain dollar value. So I'm going I'm to start by saying I think this is a political fig leaf where they've said, no, we haven't junked the policy. See, I told you we we're going to do it. It's like it bears almost no resemblance mm. to what was originally proposed. Yeah. But also, I think this is what you're going to say, it doesn't help affordability at all. Yeah, it, well, it doesn't. And I, I guess I, it's it's hard because you almost have to take a step back here because <laughs> you, you get into <laughs> philosophy and ideology yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so, there, you know, on one side they would say, well, the trouble with the stamp duty is it mm. makes us much less flexible. You know, yep. it means that every, I'm, I just copped with a tax every time I move. <laughs> don't, don't we want our workforce to be far more mobile? Like, shouldn't I... Shouldn't I? Again, if you're looking at a at an economy and there happens to be more jobs in, mm. you know, uh, Dubbo as opposed to mm. Tamworth or something like mm. that, it's like, well, why are we? Co- we want people to move and make yeah. it as frictionless yeah. as possible. Um, yeah. Also, there's the idea of sort of um, redistribution in the sense that the mega wealthy maybe should pay a greater sum to the society that has treated them so well, mm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, someone who, who's living in a twenty million dollar mansion probably should pay a little bit more. And if they never move, well, we, they, they, never, they never pay any tax right, right. Or, on that kind of thing. So there's, there's sort of economic arguments and mm, there's mm. no, I, I want to say at the start, I don't know if I've ever landed hard on one side or the other. I kind of 
I'm in this annoying person who kind of thinks, oh, there's, good, <laughs> there's good points made on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, what do I think? What do I think? Yes, I think it's it's sort of uh, like like you so often the case. There is a definite sensible debate to be had here, mm-hmm. and it probably started out from one of those things and now as you said it's just sort of changed so much as to sort of be uh, okay it's almost unrecognizable versus the policy that was originally proposed Mm. i mean there might be some land tax paid by some taxpayers in some circumstances should they choose but that's about as close as the two policies get to each other yeah and and there's also unintended consequences so Mm, that's good my mother-in-law is a good example here um probably classes asset rich income poor she yeah. doesn't have two cents to rub together but she's lived in a house for 30 years that you know has since gone up a gazillion percent yeah um like every other boomer <laughs> and um um if a land tax was introduced she wouldn't be able to pay it yeah she just, yeah. She just wouldn't be able to. and then again you, you, you could kind of say oh well sell a property then mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. and do it do it that way which I, I, I don't again I don't know what my firm view is on all of this mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. but there are there are a lot of unintended consequences just because yep. you live there there'll be a, there'd be I would imagine I just look at my area too it's sort of like just as like in most of Sydney the property values have gone through the roof but there's a lot of there's a lot of elderly people around here again I don't imagine are wealthy in any any normal stretch of the imagination except the fact that their asset that their their home the family home has gone up yeah. many orders of you know yeah. Magnitude, yeah. Uh, and again, may, okay, uh, maybe that's maybe that's fair enough. It's just like I do. Should we have sympathy for the multi multi millionaire there who just ha- doesn't want to sell their house? I mean, you could always say we'll sell it, yeah. and then downsize, and you'll have millions of dollars, and you're far richer than someone like me who's renting and doesn't have that underneath them. Mm. So. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm talking around in circles here, but it, I guess I'm saying it's nuanced, it's complicated, and it's tricky. Yeah, I've got, I've got rather more strident views on this, mate. Um, I think that let's first principles. I think that we have a government financing problem writ large in Australia, and I think the best solution to that is for the wealthy and probably companies to pay more tax which doesn't make me popular among our listeners or our members because a lot of them are one of those two categories, but so be it. My job is to call it straight, not to pander to people, so I'm not going to. So let's start with that. Um, I think stamp duty is a very inefficient tax, but I think stamp duty has two advantages over land tax, and these are behavioural as much as real. And this is where I get into trouble, not get in trouble, I get in arguments with classical economists, right? What does stamp duty do? Stamp duty, so you, you mentioned mobility. It's absolutely true that if you've got to pay large lump sums to move houses, you're less likely to do so. Mm. What does it also mean? It means that we're not going to have touch wood, the same sort of property speculation, despite what you might think about the property market in Australia being overheated and it is. You can't flip properties if you've got to pay 25 or 50 grand each time you do it. Or if you do, you've got to have, a, there's a very, very big disincentive to do so. So people in America who bought two, three or four properties and tried to flip them for an immediate profit and whatever in the pre, pre-GFC or what caused the GFC largely, um, you simply, you simply, it's actually a disincentive to move in and out of housing too quickly. I also think for what it's worth, mate, that as much as I agree with your Tamworth to Dubbo disincentive and mobility thing, I actually think, and again, I'm a finance guy, but I think we let the economists get too much say on that one. Because if you want to move from Dubbo to Tamworth, knock yourself out. But when we think about people as economic units of, cons- of production that should be shuffled around the country at a whim because that's what we think is best for the economy, 
I actually think we missed the point. Yeah, if you've got family ties, if you like, if you want to move from Tamil Dubbo, knock yourself out. The great towns. Go, go, and then go back and go back and go back and do whatever you want. Um, I moved from Sydney to Barrel and you saw the Southern Highlands. You know, would I like to do that without a stamp duty? Sure. <laughs> That'd be nice. Um, but, you know, if there's a job going in the Adelaide Hills or in Cairns or whatever, and I want to take it, great. But to imagine that we have a unit of production that's unutilized in Barrel and a piece of, you know, potential production that needs a unit of production up in, up in Cairns, all we do is connect those two dots and to hell with the social implications. I actually think that's a bit, bit rugged. So I think mm. for me, I don't buy the economic mobility thing as a justification. Uh, economically, in the models, knock yourself out. Society-wise, socially, I'm not entirely sure that's something we should be aiming for. I think we can be a little bit more generous, a little bit more thoughtful than that. Uh, and while well, I'm on, on the economically kind of versus socially thing, I reckon tipping a pension out of their house who can't afford land tax is a really, really crap thing to do. I just, you know, yes, they're in expensive housing. Yes, the benefit from house price rises, all that kind of stuff. And again, purely economically, sure. And I've had arguments on Twitter with young people who just, you know, boomers suck, death to all boomers. You know, they should just have to move out of their house. Screw them, they're in the way. The quicker they get out of the way, the better. And that's just a really, really crap thing to, to, to talk about, right? Um, you know, boomers are people too. <laughs> As our millennials and Gen X, and remember Gen X, remember us, you bastards. We exist too. Um, don't, it's not just about you millennials and you boomers. The best um, generation, ex- clearly. Uh, the, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I just think like really, like if, if the best if the best solution to our economic problems are to kick pensions out of their homes by putting up a rent, land tax they can't afford, if that if that's literally the best solution we've got as a country man we've fallen a decent way like you know like you know and some people maybe should your your mother-in-law my mum mum's been in her place for 40 something years it's not a particularly expensive place but she you know she could probably it's like a three bedroom place she could probably downsize to a unit or something and maybe make some money should we kick her out of her home just because she can't afford a land tax and, and kind of you know incentivize, incentivize in air quotes someone to sell our home so they can pay a bill they otherwise haven't allowed for I think it's a really crappy way to run a country run a society so like you know economically maybe I just reckon we've got to be able to find better solutions than that. That that can't be that can't be the best we can all come up with collectively. So, yeah, I, I have a I have a, actually a really massive issue with the land tax um, a, as an issue. I have no issue with removing stamp duty. By the way, I think the bigger issue is probably the way we fund government services more broadly. And I think states only have limited amounts of ways to raise money, and so they do it by saying, "Well, we've got some choices here. We sell a crap load of property every year, or we can tax a crap load of property every year. Let's do that and try and fund." the government coffers there's probably an argument to say that we can think about better ways of funding the overall government services and maybe there's a better way a third way you know it's we can't let politicians do that it's like with removal of um petrol excise right mm. people say we've got to charge ev users because we're losing petrol excise as if as if charging a vehicle per kilometer driven is the only way we can raise money for the government and mm. the removal of one cents per kilometer or cents per liter charge has to be replaced with a cents per kilometer or cents per gigawatt charge because it has to be a one-for-one. One. It's like, we're kind of more imaginative than that, surely, aren't we? I, I agree. I've been thinking a lot lately about path dependency and, yeah, and, and this idea of, well, things are the way they are because of history, right? Like we didn't, mm. if, we, if we were colonizing Mars, maybe with Elon's help, we will. <laughs> help in your quotes, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm being a little facetious there, but mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we, and we would have start no, from first first principles yeah, in designing. Yeah, right. I think we would end <laughs> right, up with a yes. ra- we would have Nothing a long good. lots of Nothing debates, good. and but we would end up with something radically different. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. and dare I say better? Dare I yep. say better? Yep. It, it, I, because there are so many things that are just so terrible. 
but yeah. but it's all we've always done it that way, and we've mm-hmm. kind of all and it's just change. There's a lot of inertia in the system. Yeah. It's just yeah. very hard to change it. People are used to it. You know, whenever you make change, someone is getting the short end of the stick, right? Mm-hmm. There's always someone who's going to get. He's yeah, not going to. Yeah. Someone's going to be better off after the change, and someone's going to be worse off. And so it's just very, 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 very difficult. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 this, this is what's hard. I think this is to your point, really, is that the economists probably make some really great points here. Yeah. But, but they a forget sort of like the human element of it sometimes, perhaps. Uh, and B, they just Generous. they don't Sometimes they perhaps. don't they they don't recognise this path dependence that that yeah. we have on on yeah. so many different things. Yeah. You know, if you've ever anyone who's out there who's ever worked for a big organisation will know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. You get your new job, and you go right, Scott. Welcome, oh. welcome to welcome to uh, uh, Page Industries Proprietary Limited. Yeah. Your yeah. job is to do this thing, and you go, oh, okay, cool. Hey, why don't we do it like this? This would be like really fast and easier. And show like, no, 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 we've never done it that way. Yeah, but yeah, but we, but we could. Like there's no law of the universe. Yeah, yeah, we've just never done it that way, and it just—it's it, the most maddening thing in the oh, world. But but it's also because like I've been there. Go on. It's just, it's society, right? Yeah, it's not just—it's yeah, not totally. just you and your job, and and and, yeah. and everyone will be able to think of examples where yeah. you look at something from a first principles perspective, and it's madness. Like yeah. why do why do we do it that way? That's that's <laughs> the value do. I think yeah, one yeah. of the values of of traveling when you go to a different country. Yes. And they go, oh yeah, we always do it this way. And you go, mm. what? What you mean? There's a different, there's a different way. Oh, and people are totally cool with that. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, and we, the amount of stuff that we accept as just mm. the way that mm. the universe mm. is, until you have something that comes to an end, and there's this big, massive structural change. Yeah. Usually, a whole bunch of pain that goes with it. But yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know what my point is. My only point is, is that. There's a lot of maddening, stupid stuff mm. in the world, but mm. it's there mm. for a reason, not a good reason. Or just not. well, <laughs> That's right, exactly. Yeah. Let me say this. Let me be careful. The good reason is is just yeah, because yeah. of path yep. dependency and historical, um, uh, <laughs> you know, what how we've sort of land, landed there. Yeah. But, but in any other, in I, I would, I would, <laughs> I'm old enough to be to recognise this is never going to happen. But yes, I would love, I would love for us all as a, even like to reform our political institutions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything from uh, in tax and yeah. uh, corporations law. And just, I think we would come up with a much better system given what we know today, yep. rather than what some white male thought, you know, 90 years ago was a great idea. And that we've just done ever- years ago, right? Like the, probably two, 300 is, years ago. Your point about companies is great because it starts with, I mean, you know, stamp duty was literally a, a duty on a stamp. <laughs> Which you know, yeah. literally no longer, literally no longer exists. Corporations yeah. were invented to you know to fund the Dutch East India Trading Company in eighteen hundred and whatever. Yep. And part dependence is a really good point, Matt, because not only would we change what we do, but we we change we make changes to current institutions. We don't we don't we don't work out what's best. So yeah. why don't we just change this thing here? Why don't we put rate, tax rates up or down a little bit because that seems like a good idea rather than mm. that tax is dumb or that tax is great. Yeah. I think stamp duty yeah. is a terrible idea generally speaking. I think land tax is worse uh, and. Government's looking at saying, well, what sort of property tax should we have? So, well, who said we should have a property tax? Which is exactly your point about path dependency. We're saying, if we're going to replace, take off, take off, you know, if we take off stamp duty, maybe we should have a pineapple tax or a, <laughs> you know, tree tax or a, I mean, I'm being stupid deliberately, um, you know, or, or a kilometers walk tax or like that doesn't matter. Like that whole idea of like, how would we raise money to run a state government is the question rather than how should we change one sort of property tax or another sort of property tax to solve, to solve a problem. It's, it's amazing. And just one quick thing, because for this episode that we were going to struggle to make 40 minutes, we're now mm. an hour and eight minutes into. Um, <laughs> um, I think oh, that's dear. where I made the point before. I think that's when you when you really do get the mm. um, 
great entrepreneurs. Now, they've mm. often got personalities mixed in with that and those personalities can be <laughs> questionable and, and crazy. Mm. But, you know, like the, the Steve Jobs, the Elon Musks, and the, 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 the reason that they, they, just, they just do things differently. Mm. And mm. as you go, actually, why do I need a button on my smartphone? I need an on and off and a volume. Yeah, that's it. yeah, that's right. I don't need right. one. And it's like, yeah. but, oh, but every phone has heaps of buttons. <laughs> that's, how we, that's how you do things. No, I don't. Works, don't that's right. You don't that's want right. one. Yeah. Yep. Another guy goes, oh, let's not. Why do we have this internal combustion engine? Electric engines yeah. are far yeah. more efficient. There's much more torque. There's da, 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 da. yeah. Okay, let's do that. Hey, let's have rockets that like land themselves. Why are we Why are we building these hundreds of millions of dollars worth of machinery and then we dump them in the ocean and start again? Like that seems yeah. really stupid. Let's yeah. Let's start from first principles. Yeah. And there's a million other examples, like Henry Ford and the production line. If you want to go, well, you know, mm-hmm. a gazillion mm-hmm. other things. Yeah, totally. totally. Um, hey, why do we read on these? Bits of tree. Why don't we just have a electronic screen, a Kindle? Like, let's do that. Let, let's 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 start interacting online. Like, it, all of the great leaps yeah. forward come from people who just chuck out working the orthodoxy. In office, mate. Why do Why do we work in an office? Because we always have. <laughs> Once you start looking, examples are everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I, I think it's interesting. I, there's a lot of the companies that I own. I feel as though they're doing it within their tiny little niche industries. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we always used to do it this way. Well, we can do it like ten times faster, better, cheaper. And the heart, and it's. I'm always too early with these investments because you look at it and go, mm. "Oh my god, this is going to take the world by storm." Yeah. And and like even in some instances where that's that's been true, and I've done really well, it's kind of like it takes like five years for the rest of the world to catch on. Not because mm. it, the rest of the, you know I'm some visionary and the rest of the world can't. So it's not that. Absolutely, it's not that. It's it's because. Of of the um, in, uh, inertia that is just mm. within systems and and the the pain of change and the uncertainty around. It's why I love the saying. I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something like things change always takes longer to happen than you think possible, and then moves quicker than you thought was ever ever likely. Something like that. In which case, you sort of see these things like the internet or like smartphones or you know, dare I say. Bitcoin, where you see these oh, things that kind of like, wow, here's this really novel way of doing something. It's like, it seems too long. It's it's going to get in there. It <laughs> seems inevitable, right? And then ten yeah. years later, it's kind of like it's only now just getting started. And then in the next ten years, it all changes at once. And it's just it's just the story of humanity. Mate, you can drive. We talked about the podcast about the, the the arc of progress, right? You can you can drive a Tesla down the street, but the printer still looks like it was invented in 1986. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> Speaking of things that should be innovated, the length of this podcast. Why? Why are we still talking? Because we are. Let, let's let's take the spirit of disruption innovation, mate, and say you know what we've probably done enough. We're just because we just we started talking doesn't mean we should keep talking. <laughs> we will stop talking and we will come back instead on Sunday if you'd be so kind as to join me. Oh, you know it absolutely. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.